The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Morning, Chris. Uh, I hope your heat is still working uh, because it has been one of the coldest weeks in memory uh, here in our neck of the woods. And I'm done with it. And completely done with it. Okay, first off, good morning, Mike. Secondly, eh, it's morning. It's morning. Uh, secondly, yes, cold. However, the, the weathermen, no matter what channel you watch, uh, keep reminding us that this is not an Arctic blast, so it's not that cold. Um, uh, okay. I call 14 degrees, which is what it was <laughs> when I first stepped outside this morning, that cold. Um, Fair enough. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. If natural ice is possible, it's that cold. Not disagreeing, just telling you what they say. But um, if it's that cold, I guess it's good for hockey because, oh, wait, they play on that ice stuff. Which they make inside even in 85 and 95 degree temperatures. Now, you've been, to, you've been to more than one or two hockey games. You know that it's not 85 inside. They kind of keep the building a little chillier than that so that the ice doesn't turn into a pond. Even if it is but only it an inch thick. It will be a really large puddle. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. But uh, uh, That said, yes. we're closing in on the All-Star game, which means we're also closing in on... Silly season. Um, oh, I love silly season. So we have a trade board to look at. We have to start thinking about what teams are going to resign what players and which players should be the priority. We have to think about what players potentially on the market, or at least mentioned as being on the market. Um are actually available and what their short, medium, and long-term value might be um, and impact. Uh, And then we need to look at a coaching change. Um, We're going to welcome someone back to the NHL after they've had a uh, hiatus of a couple of years. Uh, Where do we want to start? Oh, we have to start with... We have to start with changes in the NHL. Uh, coaching changes, that would be. Go. Well, this one, this one's all you because I didn't even hear this. But well, apparently, the apparently the New York Islanders fired Lane Lambert, and I would never have guessed that this guy was on the market for getting a new. Co- I'm sure he wanted another job, but. I mean, my last memory of him is ripping apart the old Pepsi Center in Colorado. I mean, when he's breaking the glass and trying to get at the other bench. and He only glass a couple of feet, and it's removable anyways. He didn't break anything. And then he coached another two seasons after that. That was like two weeks into his, into his three-year tenure. And that's fine, but that doesn't give you some indication that his personality might be a little um, – Heated. Okay, that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> volatile. I mean, this is a dude yep, who walked into. There we go. See, now we're getting there. But we've known that forever. He walked into the GM's office after getting shellacked 
uh, in net and demanded a trade by saying this is the last time you'll ever see me in this uniform without ever having taken any of his equipment off after, after well, his last game as a Montreal Canadian. He stormed out of the – he quit the avalanche after – It's not as uh, bad as being traded. Front, no, no. He quit the avalanche head coaching job after telling them that they needed to do more to enhance the roster. He had fights as a goalie back when that was still a thing. Yes. I remember vividly him fighting Mike Vernon. You know, this is not unusual. It's not unknown about him. It wasn't unknown about him when he got the first coaching job. It won't be unknown about him 10 years from now when he's on his third coaching job. So if you haven't figured it out by now, we're talking about the <clears throat> the irascible Patrick Waugh, who There's was hired Saturday. What? I said that's a word we do not hear enough. Hi, um, yeah, well, I'm I'm trying to keep up the the higher education level of the show. <laughs> you do that. Um, he was hired on Saturday, and Lou Lamorello announced the move. They haven't had a coaching chain who hasn't coached in nearly a decade. No, he hasn't coached in the NHL in nearly a decade. He was he was uh, working the. Wasn't he working the Quebec Ramparts for recently? Um, I had no idea where he disappeared to. I I, I, I have to be honest. And I just he's he's been one of those guys where I wasn't sure if he was going to get. And yes, it was. He did work another couple of years after the incident. But I wasn't sure he was going to get another one because you look at him and. Do teams want? I know the teams want a fire, want a coach that's going to light a fire. Yes, they have to lead. Yes, they have to coach. Yes, they, but they also need to light a fire. And yes, it, it actually says here in the article that he spent the past five seasons coaching and serving as GM for the Quebec Ramparts. You are correct, including winning the championship in the twenty-two twenty-three season with an eight oh one percentage. Holy cow! I'm surprised he wasn't replacing someone earlier in the season with that sort of performance. Out of sight, That's out of that. mind. Look, people love a winner. Yes. That's the way this it is works. true. Um, I think what we're going to see, we'll get what some people refer to uh, as the uh, dead cat bounce, um, he'll get maybe not after the first game or the second game, but he'll have a really strong five or six game honeymoon stage, as other people refer to it. And then we'll get to see the real New York Islanders and the real Patrick Roy as head coach. Now, I think wait 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 I think Lamor I think Lamorello summed it up best right here. <clears throat> Quote His presence is extremely aggressive. I thought he was the right person for the job. <laughs> Look, you can't you should not be hiring anyone at any level for any reason if you don't think 
the right person for the job. Agreed. It's weird to me that Patrick Roy is only 58 because I've been aware of him as long as I've been aware of the NHL. And it seems like he should be older. No, 58 sounds about right. But I get what you're saying. It's kind of like those players where we're like, he's really only 30? He's been around forever. <laughs> he's really only 27? Yeah, he's one of those. It does say here that Rua has quoted as saying, I have zero interest in management. He admits to being a bit of a dreamer when he was working for Colorado. Wanting to have a say in personnel decisions, but with Lamorello in charge, he's willing to just be the coach. Well, I mean, you have to remember he's he he entered he jumped into coaching after or jumped into NHL coaching at what was it? it so it was thir- 2013, 10 years ago. Forty eight years old. Yeah, he'd been coaching the Quebec Ramparts before that and general manager before that for several years. And they'd been to the playoffs every single year. I'm not saying Limorello's wrong in hiring him. No, no. no. What I'm saying is that it's not surprising that Patrick Ruel would want to say, would have wanted a say in more than just coaching because he'd been doing He'd been doing general manager duties in the queue, yeah, successfully in hand in hand with coaching. The queue is not the end. There's differences. Um, there's a whole lot more complexities yeah. and different complexities. Um, so it's <clears throat> well, there's plenty to worry about. Um, it sounds like he's at least learned some lessons in the past half decade um, <laughs> since he left the uh, or half decade and change since he left the uh, abs a week before or a month before training camp, which is probably the reason he had at least three years off. Okay. So then, I mean, the next question I have, which has, which isn't about Rua, actually, it's about Lambert, because it says he's the fifth coach to be fired this in in, in the league this season. Yep. But he does have a resume. He was he worked with Barry Trotz uh, since he's been promoted. So did Uncle Dave. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say, is, is Lambert, Lambert going to get another job, basically, was going to be my question, because he did win a Stanley Cup. But, yes, Uncle Dave also had a cup with the Red Wings and not exactly he had another head coaching job. I don't know. Will he get another assistant coaching job if he's looking for it? Um, but I. Yes, Uncle none Dave. Of what I saw from him. Head coach material. None of what I saw from him me go, oh, wow, uh, the Islanders are lucky to have him. Like, he was, uh, he played all, uh, 283 games in the NHL, 123 points, 521 penalty minutes in that time. 
nothing super stands out about him as a player. Nothing stands out about him as a coach. He had a winning record last year. I mean, technically, they have a non-losing record this year. Uh, a non-losing record, okay. Uh, That's an interesting way to put it. But, like, they're, the fact that they have that under him this year, they were 19-15 with, and had 11 overtime losses. 11 overtime losses in 45 games. That alone, as a general manager, would make me want to fire him. Forget where you are in the standings. Getting to overtime and losing 11 times, it means your team either is not well-conditioned, which means you're, as a coach, you need to pay better attention to shift length. Um... And, you know, the energy levels of the guys on the bench or poor decisions are being made about who to put out on the ice in the first place. And you're not I mean, the players have to motivate themselves to a certain extent. But you need to know when to take timeouts, which is honestly my biggest complaint about almost every coach in the NHL. No one takes timeouts and they probably should. Um, so. I guess it comes down to right now the Islanders are tied in points with the Wings for no two points behind the Wings excuse me and three spots out of a playoff spot so it's not like they're completely falling off the grid they're not falling seaters but does Rua, does the hiring of Rua move them into playoff, can move them into a playoff spot, get them into the playoffs? I think it gives them a better shot than keeping Lambert. As I said, if only for the honeymoon, it's it's going to be, there's there's hope. You look at their, you look at their best players, and offensively, it's kind of hard to complain about what's happening with Bo Horvat and um, Matthew Barzal, Noah Dobson, forty-five points, forty-five games as a defenseman at twenty-three years of age. Yep. Yep. Is anyone talking about this dude? Nobody talks about Noah Dobson winning because there's some guy up in Vancouver that's supposedly going to win the Norris and everything else. But and I think Noah Dobson's name needs to be thrown in there. Another conversation Noah Dobson for another needs time. needs to be talked about. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, it looks like Anders Lee is having a, we won't call it a resurgence, but he's doing better than he has in the last couple of years. Uh, he had 28 goals all of last season. Um, okay, he's at 13. I think that there's, I mean, I think there's some scoring depth issues here. Mm-hmm. Um, you've only got one guy over 20 goals, and that's Brock Nelson. Um, 
What? I mean, does anyone think that this is a cup winning team with <coughs> with any coach you care to name at any point in history? No. No. Do I think this team should be better than they are? Probably, yeah. I mean, Varley is uh, – Semyon Varlamov had a 918 save percentage. I believe he's out injured right now. He is indeed, yeah. Sorokin's got a 908, which isn't exactly spectacular, but it's certainly not terrible. Um, they've got – Tell me they're not missing Ryan Pollock. They're not missing Ryan Pollock. Wow, that sounded believable. Good job. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but, you know, this team, I think that there are one or two, that if you made one or two changes and added a little bit of depth, and we can talk about the Islanders and their fit with some of the some of the players we'll talk about on the trade board in a few minutes. Well, it's just the way they're positioned, and I know that we, you know, we've got the you know silly season and all that, but the way they're positioned they've got a decision to make because it's not readily obvious to anyone that they are either buyers or sellers. They're, they're hovering in the ether and, you know, they could go either way. It's I all in what they do in the on, next three weeks. It really depends. It, what it comes down to at this point weeks. is whether or not ownership decides to what, what ownership signals are given to Lou Lamorello. Because if they say to him, look, uh, wrap up the season and go away, or they say to him, you need to, we need four playoff dates or you're done. Or they say to him, just, uh, look, uh, just, you know, reset and rebuild. You know, I mean, Lou Lamorello is 81 years old. I don't think he's going to be around for a long rebuild. I don't think he's I don't think he's sitting in the office he's in five years from now, regardless of what happens. Okay. Um, but the core of this team is locked up for a good amount of time. You've got Barzal off to the heat death of the universe. You've got Hovort to the heat death of the universe. Um. You look at their defense, uh, Pellock signed, great contract. Dobson, uh, it will be a RFA with arbitration rights after the 24-25 season. Um, Scott Mayfield, very reasonable contract. Um, Ilya Sorokin's contract, it's a little weighty, but not ridiculous. Um, starting next season, Varley really reasonable contract, not even three million, and he's got three more years there. Um, if they can get him healthy before the deadline, they can okay. trade him for some scoring depth. Um, Ryan Pollock, again, he's got a con his contract is absolutely wildly team friendly at six point one. Um, so it's not like he's done bad financially by the team. 
No, he's probably staying within whatever parameters ownership is giving him as far as spending. And like you said, they got the core locked up. I don't I don't know that Lou is is going to be fired over all of this. I mean, I just don't think that this is a team that's set for a deep dive into the playoffs. They, you know, first round, maybe a second round exit at the at the at the best, I think. That said, that we were just talking about this before we started the before we hit record. The East this year is kind of squishy. The, I'm sorry, the West is squishy. No, the East is squishy. I think the West. I think that there's more. The West is more competitive. I think that the Bruins, the Panthers, are better than 14 teams in the West. Um, but you look at the Rangers, do you, when you look at the Rangers, do you see a believable cup winner there? No, nope. I don't. When you look at the Flyers, do you see a believable cup winner there? Not yet. I don't. When you look at the Hurricanes, the Toronto Maple Leafs, nope, nope. Detroit Red Wings, uh, nope. Well, we discussed the, the, the we discussed the plight of the Carolina Hurricanes. They play so hard just to get to the playoffs, and then they flame out. Tampa Bay Lightning. No, sure, they have the pedigree to do it. Yeah, Vasilevsky doesn't look like Vasilevsky this year. Ding ding ding. <laughs> I um, hate to say it because I love Victor Hedman, but the way Brad made him look when they played what was it last week. Brad has Brad literally has put on the cape this season not just the C he's got the bloody cape on and he's playing like a superhero Um, and we'll segue there in a moment won't we uh, we will certainly get there in just a second Um, (laughs) but you look at the you look at those teams at all of the top eight teams in the east I still think that in terms of coming out of the East, it probably really comes down to Boston or Florida. We've discussed Boston's needs to the uh, a lot, and we'll discuss them a little bit more. You look at the West, the Jets are doing the damn thing. Colorado, they're kind of scary when they're playing well. They're so fast. They have that last change at home, and if you don't have the right guys on the ice, you're done. Vancouver. And we have one. Moving up to the talent on the roster. Yeah. Do I still believe that they're a cup winner? I don't know if I believe it yet, but. I don't know, but I can't say no. Like, I can't look at them and say no. Um. I mean, the Kings Kings are in the first wild card spot. Nashville's finally crawled into the second with Arizona right behind them. Arizona is probably a scarier team to me when the playoffs roll around than Nashville. But Edmonton, as much as you want to dismiss them, we saw last year and the year before McDavid and Dreisaitl learn how to play in the playoffs. If those two are healthy and focused in the playoffs, they are by themselves 60% of the winning solution in most rounds. 
and I get that, but here's my issue with Winnipeg, with Edmonton. They are third in the Pacific, uh, yep. 53 points. They are currently on... And they played four games less than the two ga- teams ahead of them. Right. They are currently on a 13-game win streak, which is... Uh, you know, more power to them. That's more power to them. That's awesome. But here's my problem with Edmonton. They could just as easily lose their next game and go on a 13 game losing streak. I'm not sure a 13 game losing streak is even possible in the NHL anymore. Um, but, it, but yes, but, that, but my but my point is such that. They could go on an extended winning streak like they are now. They could also go on an extended losing streak. And, yes, that could happen to any team. But Edmonton in particular, just the way they are defensively, goaltending-wise, it doesn't take much for them to flip the script and go the other way just as quickly. I want to believe that Edmonton – but they still, yes, they have McDavid and they have Dreisaitl. And Zach Hyman is actually playing out of his mind this season. But still, name me anybody other than Darnell Nurse on the defense or Darnell Nurse and Bouchard on the defense. Uh, Time's up. Exactly. Just, no, you know, Stuart Skinner. I I want to believe. I I absolutely concede your point. Um, So I don't believe in Edmonton. Vegas, well, they're the champions. You kind of have to give them you have to give them their flowers. Canucks are playing out of their minds, but I don't know that I I don't know what they're going to look like in the playoffs. Dallas, what we saw last year, if they can if Joe Pavelski flips that switch or or (laughs) Jason Robertson gets hot or whatever, they, they have the possibility. I Yeah, I, I the West is is probably a little stronger than the East right now. Yeah, I I guess I would have to agree. I didn't want to. I thought the West was the squishy one, but yeah. the West has been for years. But like, you look at the teams that should be better than they are, or at least scarier than they are. The Rangers, the Rangers are sitting on top of their division. You 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 watch them play and they don't pass the eyeball test. No. The New York the New Jersey Devils went from being a very scary team last year to mediocre. I wanted to call them a puddle, but that's overstating things. <laughs> um, but they're not they're not the team that they were, and. Well, we're not going to dive into it. Their home record, they've got a losing home record, which is a bad sign. Yes. They're two games under 500 at home. That's... I mean, by comparison, the Islanders who just changed head coaches... Are eleven five and six at home compared to the New Jersey Devils, who are nine eleven and two. Even the Ottawa Senators have a winning record at home. 
they can't win on the road to save their souls, but uh, not having a, a a winning record at home is. We may know who the next head coach uh, to be shown the door is. The Rangers are. No, I was just going to say real quick the Rangers are a team. I mean, can you honestly tell me that you were expecting a 2.46 goals against and 9.13 save percentage out of Jonathan Quick after having looked at his previous seasons? I mean, it was it was two years ago that he had to when they when the Kings thought Peterson was the answer and suddenly Peterson just coughed up a hairball. He had a 259 and a 9.10. Before that, it was six years ago. He had a 240 and a 921, and he was abused with 64 starts or 64 games in net. Yeah. He hasn't been at a 240 consistently in six years. Yes. It's it's been a decade since he was an impact player. Or at least a positive impact player. So, yeah, the Rangers are another team that's uh, just no. I I just can't right now. Uh, right. So, uh, two, we're going to look at uh, something we wanted to talk about or I wanted to talk about for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Is this the year the Canadian team actually wins the cup? <laughs> Now, as the teams are currently configured, I don't want to face Winnipeg, certainly not in the first round. Definitely not if they win the first this, their first round convincingly. And I would have to say the same thing about Vancouver. I mean, these two teams have a 727 and a 7.17 points percentage. Um, all of Vancouver's wins... They have 31 wins on the season. Every single one of them has come in regulation. 27 of Winnipeg's 30 wins have come in regulation. They're doing the job when they're supposed to do the job. Between the two of them, they're plus 102 goal differential. Winnipeg 45, uh, plus 45 in 44 games. Um, Vancouver plus 57 in, in 46 games. There's Edmonton. Edmonton is is dangerous. If you don't play defense, if you have the even if you have the right matchup against Drysidle and or McDavid, much less both of them, you you still have a good chance of getting burned. Um, and at this point, has has actually has McDavid actually hit? Peak McDavid. Oh my goodness. Uh, the answer to that is no. I think he's I think he's a little tired, but he's ninth in scoring. Yes, that's fifty-nine points in he's got fifty-nine points in what is it? Uh in forty-six game forty-seven games or so? Which is nothing to sneeze at. No, he's played 40 games. Okay, so he did miss a couple of games. I forgot that. 
so 60, just about 60 points, 1.2 points per game or so. Okay. Um, this is, this is still not peak Connor McDavid. Um, The other, Still not beat Connor McDavid. Okay, which is terrifying because he's twenty-seven years old. We know he's still—he's—he he hasn't even hit the point where you have to question whether the physical and the mental uh, mental acuity have you know swapped places. Uh, sure, he has a lot of NHL games on the body at six hundred and nine games. It does feel like he's been around even longer. Uh, it feels like we've been talking about him for two decades, but he only only came in in the fifteen sixteen season. Um, so, what is the difference between Winnipeg and Edmonton then? I think Winnipeg is more balanced offensively. Yeah, there you go. That's where I was going with it. Um, they have one, two, three, which four. can be good or can be bad, because if you don't have a bona fide stud or two at the top, it makes it easier for the other team to smother your best two or three players. Um, we've seen, I mean, you look at Carolina; they don't have a bona fide stud, they can't get it done. Link the current. Carolina Hurricanes are capable of winning without a serious upgrade, um, which would make them not the current Carolina Hurricanes. Um, you look at Winnipeg, you've got Kyle Connor up there, who's kind of good, at least offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Mark Shifley, who's kind of good and actually pretty solid two-way. Ehlers, Cole <clears throat> Perfetti. Um, but they don't have anyone over 20 goals yet this season. Kyle Connor is got the best points percentage, um, but he's missed a bunch of time. Uh, that said, their scoring depth is deeper than a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You you go down to their 10th leading scorer, uh, and he's got 11 goals. You drop all the way to their 16th leading scorer, (laughs) Dylan Sandberg, and he's a plus 15. No goals, 12 assists. We know what that ha- we know what that means when you hit the playoffs. A defenseman who enters the playoffs with no goals, pretty much guaranteed to get a game winner if he plays five games. Just it's just the way hockey works. Well, there's another way hockey works. <clears throat> In the playoffs, it usually comes down to. Come on, you know the answer to this one. It's okay, you can say it. Defense wins championships. Uh well championships the the guy in the blue paint that you know the, the goaltender yeah so biggest difference Stuart Skinner who 
we talked about very quickly. 31 starts. He's got a 2.53 goals against and a 9.06 save percentage. His backup, Calvin Pickard, who I I don't know where he's been besides like everywhere. I mean, I remember him being like in everywhere Colorado when he started. Six games. He's got a 2.69 and a 9.03. What's his? What What are his playoff numbers? Hmm. Well, probably not good. Connor Hellebuck this year only has 33 starts. They're not really wearing him out. Well, maybe a little bit. Um, two one five goals against another season where he's vying for a Vesna. Two one yep. five goals against nine twenty seven save percentage. But Lauren Brassois, who I keep forgetting because I think they moved him to Vegas and now he's back with Winnipeg. Lauren Brassois, eleven starts. He's got a two point one eight and a nine twenty three. If there's ever a goaltending tandem that's going to put Boston on notice that maybe there's another team out there, it's this one. And here's the here's the other part that's worth talking about. You look at Connor Hellebuck's playoff save percentage. Yeah. It's a 916. And that's a 40-game sample. He's okay. gotten as high as a 931. And in the most games that he's played in a playoff run, which was 17 games back in the 17-18 season, he's still at a 922. So 922 save percentage across 17 games, nine wins, eight losses. That that kind of smells like someone who's got the endurance. Um, you look at Connor Hellebuck over the course of his career, and you have to use the C word a lot. Consistent, consistent, consistent. Right. You go to um, Stuart go and, and you were asking about Stuart Skinner. He's got twelve games in the playoffs. It's not a huge sample size. Five wins, six losses. He got three point six eight and an eight eighty three save percentage. Um that's trending toward bad. <laughs> uh toward I well, think it's I'm trying, to, I'm, bad I'm trying to be unbiased here. You know, he's trending toward bad. Actually, those numbers are very not good. But again, 12, uh, game, 12 starts. So I, I'm trying to give him the benefit of a little bit of, you know, wiggle room. No. I mean, and yes, we're only talking about the Western Canadian teams because – Quite frankly, Ottawa's not winning the Stanley Cup this year. I don't think Ottawa's making the playoffs this year. Montreal is not winning the Stanley Cup this year. <laughs> Montreal is, uh, uh, are they in the race for 32? Um, they may decide to dismantle after, they may decide to acknowledge being dismantled after last night. Um, they got, um, rudely used by the Boston Bruins uh, uh, on one of the errors nights. It was actually a fairly decent game through for the first three uh, period and a half. Um, it was, I think it was three, three after, after the first period. Um, and then the Bruins blew the doors open and Danton Heinen was the star of the night. 
Montreal is actually not really doing all that well in the race for 32. Because so they're going to land at like 28 or 24, something well, like that? Well, they're at 20. They're actually at 25 right now. Teams below them, and you, are you ready? You're sitting down, right? Yes. And I know that we're jumping around here, and I, I will stop after this, but Montreal not winning the Stanley Cup. Here's why. Um, okay, they're in 25th. Teams below them, the Sabres. Huh? Okay. The Minnesota Wild. Really? Haven't they been a playoff team the last few years? They have been a playoff team the last few years, and they had that. Well, they've crashed. They had and that burned. nice honeymoon period when they brought in John Hines, and now they've uh, crashed and burned. But it's still them. In a bright fire. It's still players on the roster. Columbus Blue Jackets in 28, Senators in 29, Ducks in 30, Blackhawks are in 31st, and poor San Jose, currently leading the pack with only 26 points. They have double-digit wins. They have 11. And they're a minus 92 in goal differential. Oh, my God. They are on a one-game win streak, however. That may be their longest win streak of the season. No, I thought they had two or something. Didn't they have two at one point? And that minus 92. They've scored 94 goals and given up 186. That's impressive. (laughs) You have to try to be that bad, I think. You actually have to put in the effort to be that bad. I mean, for the for the Wild, who it might finally be time for Bill Guerin to admit he can't save this roster. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's it's not going his way. <laughs> and I, I, you just can't fault his effort. But like, he came in and he was handicapped with the Parisi and Suter contract buyouts till the heat death of the universe. I mean. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad after next season. Yeah, but he still needs to. Next year, last year, and I think the year before that, just under $15 in unusable cap space. It drops down to 1.6 and change after next season. But, like, yikes. I mean, he's got... Seven UFAs. Um, he can hopefully turn into draft picks and something to boost the team for the future. I think Bill Uh, Guerin right now needs to be Bill Guerin right now trade deadlines approaching, you know, he's got what a month and a month and a uh, month and a half. Month and a half. Well, six weeks, I think. Yeah. Month and a half ish. Yeah. He needs to sit down right now, pen and paper, and start jotting down names. People he's going to build around. Kaprizov, Eck, um, Boldy. Boldy, uh, Faber, Brock Faber. And that because every other every other name on his defense can go. Maybe you hang on to 
every other name on his defense needs to be first of all he, he only has one player signed beyond next, next season. season well and two that's Brony, and that's Brodeen Brodeen and Spurgeon but Spurgeon's on LTIR okay yeah uh, goaltending uh, love Mark andre Fleury Maybe you give him a contract if he's agreeable to a small number, but you've got to find yourself. Uh, you've got to get younger in that. Is Gustafson the answer? He's got to sit down, and that's what he needs to be doing right now. And then he needs to figure out who he can move safely and still put a decent product on the ice without making himself look like a laughingstock that you know, oh my God, I traded all these key people and now I'm down next to Sam, not next to San Jose. You know what? Even, even if he trades everyone not we didn't just name, he's not going to hit that level. I mean, Kaprizov and Boldy and... Well, he's not going to move everybody anyway. I mean, you can't do it. You have to are war. probably going to keep you in, con- in contention in games. Yeah. But there, but yes, he needs to figure that out because I don't think that, like you said, I think that he needs to look in the mirror and say, this isn't savable. Like as as the roster stands, it's pretty, it's pretty ugly. I mean, their 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 defense average age is over thirty. Their forward age is twenty eight two, um, and is. As much as I like some of the players, I think that they're more valuable to the Minnesota Wild as trade pieces than they are whenever they emerge from two seasons or a season and a half now when they get out from under the the bulk of the Parisian suitor contracts. Yes. Um, you know... Joel Erickson at 26. Yes, you probably keep uh, Joel Erickson. Ak, you probably keep him. Ak is Ak is your centerpiece. You build around him. Like I said, Kaprizov, like you said, Boldy, Kaprizov, Boldy. Two years from now, he's going to be 28 and change. Yeah, and um, and you're going to be building then, not not attacking the playoffs, not uh, not content, not necessarily contending, building. Um, so if you get a great offer for him right now, you take it. Um, but Matt Zuccarello, who's got two years of contract left. Um, you can move on from him and still sell him as a goal scorer to a team that needs goal scorers. Well, you can sell him as a producer. He's at... Okay, producer. And 27 assists. He's 35 in points in 36 games this season he's gonna he's gonna help produce yeah um he doesn't turn 37 until this fall the only problem is he's not a center okay no you're gonna get you're (laughs) still gonna get a second and a prospect a second and a third maybe two seconds for him depending on who you trade him to gm's overpay at the deadline i don't know that that that's overpayment for him though um two more years at four at 4.125 4.125 for a guy who's a point per game and produces in the playoffs. No complaints. Um, I mean, the Bruins, he's not what the Bruins need right now. 
No, he's not. Um, that that Marcus, act guy that you're talking about, though, you know. Um, Marcus Foligno, if they decide to move on from him, and given that he's got a no movement, uh, he would need to agree to it. Mm-hmm. They're going to get something for him. I don't know that he's super valuable financially, but obviously the leadership, the physicality. Um, he's not he's not an offensive stud or anything like that, but you're going to get something. Um, I mean, Freddie Goudreau was having a down year. Someone who wants a reclamation project. Um, he's got a 15-team no trade limit, a no trade list, but he's only got a 2.1 cap hit, and you've got cap certainty there, so you can you can get a prospect back for him. You can get maybe it's a straight prospect for him for a third round pick and a. The prospect depends on what the other team needs uh, and wants. Yes. If you decide to move on from Brodeen or assuming he's amenable, four years of cap certainty at $6 million, that's going to get you a first, a prospect, and maybe something more depending on where he's going. Goligoski at 35 and chain or over 30. No, he's 38 now. Wow. Yes, Goligoski I wanted like 10 years ago. You're still getting something for him. Really? A fourth? Um, I'm not sure. It, it, it really it all it always comes down to what the other team wants and needs. And what you can agree to. Um, but there's movable pieces. Oh, yeah. That's you can right. stock up. You can get yourself. You can get yourself at least three picks in the first two rounds uh, without trying to, without completely denuding the roster and making the and having the uh, coach slap name tags on all the players so that he can remember who they are in practice for the first two for the first two weeks. There's a name I haven't seen in forever. Who? Zane McIntyre. Ah, uh, yeah. He's still oh, kicking around. He's still kicking around in the AHL. Numbers not good this year, but. And if you want pure entertainment value out of a trade, you trade uh, Patrick Maroon to Boston, um, and then watch the and then sit back and giggle. Yeah, except that nobody in Boston, fans or the organization alike, is going to want him on the team. <laughs> but yes, it would be an entertaining try. Just to bring this back, because it was supposed to be about Canadian teams winning, do you have a team that you think—I mean, we, we barely touched on Vancouver. I, I just—I don't see it. I think if you're going to go with a particular team— and I've been thinking about this for a while. I think the best bet is Winnipeg. I just don't trust Vancouver yet. I think Winnipeg is finally living. A lot of that roster is finally living up to their potential, and they have the most balance. I think that I mean, you, you can make do- a case for all three of the teams out there. You really can. 
Well, we did completely ignore one team because I think both of us just know it's not going to happen. Which team? Toronto. Yeah, we said that they're not winning because they don't they don't do defense, they don't do goaltending. <laughs> Those two things are kind of important, by the way. But going back to the three out west. Yes. Yeah, my case for each of the three. You've got the you've got two of the fifteen most dangerous offensive players in the last decade on the Edmonton Oilers. They've got two other solid, really solid, maybe three other solid offensive producers. You've got Kane, you've got Hyman, you've got uh, the Nuge. If those guys get hot all together, don't care who the defense is in the West, laser through butter. They're going to win. If they can win, those guys can win a series winning winning games eight to six, four out of seven games. I was going to say, if they're winning, it's in spite of the fact that their defense is shaky and their goaltending is, well, less than not that. As good. Not as good as their defense, yes. Um, for Vancouver, I think that this team... I think that the team finally remembered that they're actually, if not elite players, aside from a certain defenseman who's probably winning the Norris, um, they're all really good players who were drafted very high for pretty damn good reasons. Um, for Winnipeg, I think that not only are players mostly healthy and figuring out that they and then playing right around the level they're supposed to play. I think they're sick of the suck. Um, Cam Neely said it last night during the game uh, about finally breaking uh, the jinx, uh, the Montreal jinx uh, back in what was it? The 88, 89 season Mm -hmm. that of himself, he hated to lose more than he liked to win. And I can't say that that's the case for any of the Jets, but I think they're done losing. I think that guys have decided they want to win. It, yes, it's neat to go on vacation for three and a half, for two and a half months when the season ends in April and have the entire summer to do nothing much other than train a little bit. But I think they're done being booed in their own arena. I think they're done being a laughing stock. And I think they're done having people question their professional integrity, even though in several cases it was well deserved. Um, you look at Kyle Connor, you look at uh, some of the other guys on the roster. Yeah. They they deserve the criticism. They flat out deserve the criticism for years. Mark Shifley did not play really good hockey for a pretty good stretch of his career. Nino Niederreiter played bad hockey for stretches of his career. Well, um, to Carolina, anyway. You know, I looked at Dylan DeMello and said, yeah, 
that's a solid NHL goaltender uh, defenseman. I looked at Brendan Dillon and said, that's a solid NHL defenseman. Dylan Sandberg kind of wanted him in Boston. Nate Schmidt, he's not producing offensively right now, but he still knows well, where he we, needs to place his skates and his stick. We wanted him like six years ago. Um, Nate Schmidt. When he went to, when he was, when he was drafted by um, Vegas in the expansion draft. Yes. Um, you look at, this is a team, and then you, and we obviously mentioned you have Hellebuck and Brassois. If they only decide to keep Hellebuck and trade Brassois to fill out any perceived depth, uh, perceived vacant, uh, perceived defects, which you could make the argument that they would like a goal scorer. I don't know where you're going to get one of those. I still um, think but, they'd like to hang on to Brassois, though. Oh, they probably would, but if they decide that they're going to move something or someone in order to mm. get something else, I mean, I don't think we're going to see Ovechkin traded, and right now he's just not scoring. Um, but looking at the trade board, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, Jake Gensel is one of those guys who is really good in the playoffs or has been in the past anyways mm -hmm. hasn't been there in two years uh, or it wasn't there last season um, he should be he's expected to be available he's got 20 goals through 43 games 47 points if I have the opportunity to add him and I'm Winnipeg I'm going, yes. I'm going after him okay he knows how to do it in the playoffs, period. He should have had that Cotton Smythe a couple of years ago, and I will go to my grave on that one. That is a hill I will die on. Wait, who got screwed? Jake Gensel? Yeah. It was more than a couple, but yeah, I, we talked about that ad nauseum because giving it to Sidney Crosby that year was just a joke. It was a living obscenity. Crosby was like maybe fourth on my list to, to get the to, to get the consmite that year. You had uh, whoever was goaltending was like second. Gensel was definitely first. <laughs> he got hosed. <laughs> I mean, I've seen hose jobs, but that was awful. <laughs> awful. Yep. Like I said, I think I think right now if I had to go with one particular team, it would be Winnipeg. But Vancouver is doing what they can to change my mind on that. So Vancouver's yeah. compelling. They really are. But they have to like in order for me to believe in Vancouver, they have to get I want them to have a a ugly, stupid, self inflicted five game loss losing streak in the next couple of weeks and then recover from it. So they need, they need to have a bloody Jersey for their coach to smack them in the face with when it gets rough in the playoffs. They need it. Okay. Um, and I, I just want, I, I, I just want to give you one more tidbit and, Go. The top three, the top three teams in the NHL, 
obviously two of them being being Canadian with Vancouver and Winnipeg yep. and the other team being, you know, the local club here in Boston. They all have one thing in common. It, goaltending tandems? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Winnipeg, 927, 923. And actually, they are better this year than Boston. Vancouver, Thatcher Demko, Casey DeSmith, save percentage 919, 918, respectively. I mean, this one's the biggest disparity because Swayman's got a 923 and Omar's only got a 913 this season. Uh, got a little victimized there with a couple of big scoring games, that, uh, which is why he's not going to win a Vesna this year. But, yes, the top three teams in the NHL have goaltending tandems that are both, if not dominant, approaching dominant. Certainly, well above average. Thank you. So yeah, I want to believe in. I want to believe in Vancouver. It, it, I'm looking at the numbers, and I yeah, Winnipeg probably is slightly better shot than them. It's possible. Uh, you know, just. I mean, for me, the thing when you look at Winnipeg and Vancouver as in the final comparison. Vancouver is scoring a heck of a lot more goals, mm-hmm. but through 44 games, Winnipeg is only allowed 100 goals. Boston, through 45, is allowed 120. Vancouver, through 46, has allowed 119. That 100 goals is its nearly a broken stat. Los Angeles is only allowed 112, and they're the only team that's even close. You look at, we talked about San Jose a couple of minutes ago. They've allowed 186 goals, nearly twice as many. Um, and that being said, no. Even that the being Rangers, said. even the Rangers who have allowed, who are leading their division, have allowed, have scored the same number of goals. Okay. And allowed literally 30% more. Georgiev, Colorado, who is fourth in the league. Alexander Georgiev, and yep. 38 starts on his own. And this is why I'm not sold on Colorado. Save percentage of 896. He's allowed 113 goals by himself. Yeah. And his backup, Prospetov, who came from Prospetov, Carolina, I believe, um, 895 save percentage. So their goaltending in Colorado is very ungood. Yeah. Yeah, very ungood. That's why I have a hard time believing in Colorado. I love the fact that Nathan McKinnon can put the puck in the net with just by, you know, thinking it in there. And same thing with Rantanen. And then you got Kale McCarr, who's fabulous. But I just don't think that they – I don't know that I think that they have the goaltending to handle it. So, yeah, it could be a Canadian team. Uh, it, this is their best chance in a long time anyway. And that's where I'm going to end it. So, 
final uh, thought to you. No, uh, I think that I think that you're right. I would still I would add an element to I want a cup. I, I want to add a recent cup winner to either of those teams, either Vancouver or um or the Jets. I mean, yes, you'd you'd want to add something. You'd I mean, defensive ability, like defensive zone, defense, defensive-minded defenseman would be the ad for uh, would be the ad for the Oilers. Obviously, mm-hmm. the same thing that we've been talking about for two decades. Yeah. Um, but for those two teams, I want a Cup winner who can say, "Look, this is how we bled. This is how we sweat." I didn't stop hurting until three weeks after the last after we won. If you're still bouncing around the locker room, you didn't try hard enough. That's what I want. Okay. Like that. Like literally, that's that's what I want for those two teams. Um, looking at the trade board, uh, our the nice folks over at the Athletic put up thirty. What is it? Thirty-two players they're expecting to be available. Um, interesting list. Uh, there's some older guys. There's some younger guys. There's some guys I'm not. I'm somewhat surprised are actually on the list. And there's a couple of guys I honestly can't remember ever saying their names before. Um, mm-hmm. Andre Kuzmenko. I have literally never said his name before today. Um. Trevor Zegras, his name being on here, whether it's real or not, is a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Tony D'Angelo is amusing because I don't know <laughs> how many teams would actually trade for him. Is it that? Yeah, it is that Tony. Um. Wait, wait. When did they add El- when when did they add Elvis to the list? When? <laughs> so here's the first question for you on this topic. Uh oh. And you had a chance to look at the question. You just didn't know what it was. Short-term value. If you're the, we'll say, say that you're the Islanders. Add for right now till the end of the season to make the playoffs, to make, uh, to help add a little bit of oomph to the team. Uh, all right, if we're gonna, if we're gonna go there, should I go to? No, see, I, I still think that the man, the man that got hosed. The only trouble is how much are they willing to pay? I've got, I've got two names, and I'm trying to narrow it down, but I really can't because one is. But they're both from the same team. But I think that I think that they sh- if they want some punch and they want to get into the playoffs and you're looking for playoff performance, you either go Gensel or Riley Smith. Not Tyler Johnson. Um, no. He'd be Not- like thir- he'd be like third or fourth, but no. I think you either go Gensel or Riley Smith. 
I would actually, I would actually add a defenseman there. I thought about defenseman, but I'm trying to think of what punch they're going to offer. I mean, all right, like, fine. It Unless, just needs then, to be someone who can help keep the puck out of the net and push it out of the zone. Uh, I'm probably adding Dumba to them. Uh, yeah, well, in that case, yes, Dumba would be the choice. Dumba would be the um, He's not super physical. He's not super flashy offensively. Doesn't but uh, he can move the puck in the right direction a regular, regularly. Um, okay. Leaving aside... Okay, who would who would you from this list would you add to the Edmonton Oilers for the playoff run? <laughs> That's a trick question, right? No. <laughs> um, it might only be four games, but it could also be twenty-four games. Um. Yeah, him or him. All right. This is in no particular order, only because. But you could either add mm, Jacob Markstrom, who'd probably be the top choice, just for a short. If you try short term, Jacob Markstrom, John Gibson, Mark Andre Fleury. Elvis Merzlikens. There's a theme here. I don't know if you're picking up on that. Yeah, but I said one, not <laughs> not buckshot everyone at a given position. <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that. Uh, let's see. If I had to go with one, probably Markstrom. I would honestly go I, with Mark Andre Fleury. Mark Andre Fleury, but I think he'd be too expensive for what year. I understand that everybody overpays at the deadline, but for what you're looking for, yes, Mark Andre Fleury would certainly be the top choice. But I think what the wild, I think what Billy's going to be asking for in return might be too much. That's why I'm going with Markstrom. That's fair. Um, I I would still probably put, make the push for him. Oh uh, yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm not saying don't try for Mark Andre Fleury. Are you kidding me? Look at what look at the way he's playing this season. Give me a break. But uh, I just. Being realistic, get him, and all the other goalies are gone. I might make the sneaky choice and go for Adam Henrique uh, to get that solid two-way, uh, two-way center depth. Because the one thing Edmonton needs is more centers. Yeah. Well, there's centers, and then centers who can do what you need. They are not always the same thing. I don't know. Offense. Uh, I mean, forwards is just probably. I this is a team where I'd look blue line back before I start going with forwards. Seriously, I. I they, oh they no, I don't. Help. I don't disagree with you, but like Tyson Berry is not a solution. Well, Tyson Berry is never the solution, but okay. <laughs> I mean, is Rasmus Ristolainen actually going to be the solution there? On that team, the way it's currently constructed, unfortunately, no. Um, I think that your biggest gap there is the gap at deep, your biggest addressable gap with one player is in goal. 
you would need two or three defensemen to turn that team around, and that's probably just not feasible. The thing is, they've got three. It's just that they, the other three are so not. But it's it's not just the three that they don't have. It's the system that they're playing. They're still trying to play '80s hockey. Yes, I'll give you that. Okay. Uh, it's like the well, no, we won't wander that far off topic. Oh, I skipped Jake Allen. I'm sorry. Jake Allen probably is another option. I think if we can get him out of Montreal, he's probably better in short term or medium. In short term or medium term, Jake Allen's probably a, another option. I didn't see him on the list, but medium term, and I'm talking starting from going from the start of next season till two years after that. Uh huh. Who's the best value on this board? I mean, there's an easy answer, but I think that answer is wrong. Really? The easy answer is no. The easy answer is wrong. Easy. The the answer I'm coming up with is Noah Hannafin. Um, I love that answer, and I would agree with you. I mean, the easy answer is Trevor Zegras. That's what I was going with. Yep. That <laughs> and wrong. it's wrong. Because I think if you're adding him to a contender now, contender two seasons from now, he needs a year plus. He needs at least one playoff run to learn how it's done. Yes. Um, uh, Long term. Long term, I just gave my answer. I was going to say, you just gave my answer, too. Long term is Trevor Zegras. Hello. <laughs> Although long term, if you really, really, really want me to not answer, um, please tell actually, me. Actually, answer medium term. I think medium term, my answer is probably the guy that you've been screaming about for the Bruins for the entire season. And they Elias still need. Home. And they still need to get him. Yes. Um. Which does bring us to a the next topic, which uh, I think is a terribly named clickbaity title for the article, which is "Can the Bruins win with no centers?" All the Bruins have done for the past fifteen years is draft center, <laughs> like literally draft center. Like <laughs> if you entered the draft as a center, you had a you had a ten percent chance of being drafted by the Boston Bruins. Whether you scored zero goals or sixty-eight, you had a, you had a shot. Um, okay. But this article basically takes a even crankier than Mike and much much warrior than Mike view of the Bruins' center woes. Because when they're what they're saying with the the Bruins don't have any centers is they don't have any. They don't have a number one, and they don't have a number two center. Okay. They have a number three center who's mispos- who's mispositioned in but Charlie Coyle. He's playing phenomenally. He's still the best number three center in the league. I think you can. I think. I think you can fill him in as a second line center, but I don't think that that's really where he should be. They don't have a number one. That much is yes. obvious. They don't have number two. As a number three, Charlie Coyle is the best third-line center in the league. 
as a number two, he's certainly outside the top 15. And that's the difference to me. Like, I, I think in order to be a legit number, whether it's a number one, number two, number three, you have to be in the top 20 in your in that position. Like, to be considered elite, to be considered a true number X, you have to be one of the 20 best at that role. Whether it's left defense, number one, left defense, right defense, number two, you have to be in that top 20, top 24, in order to be, in order for me to feel that you're a legitimate holder of that position. I I love Charlie Cook. I absolutely love everything that he does. He's shooting more this season, which is great. It gets him more goals. It gets more goals to the guy who are around the net when he actually remembers to shoot. It gets his wingers open more. Um, but he's no Pavel Zaka, uh, not a center. <laughs> Zaka is not a center. Period. Not a center. <laughs> uh, Matt Patra. Ask uh, me again when he needs he needs seasoning. Yeah, he needs seasoning, but I don't know that he's going to be a number one. It depends on I his. Think, uh, I think he probably will hit that. I think 160 games from now, we're going to be looking at him and saying he's in that 20 to 28 range as a number two. Okay. And thing that he climbs further. Morgan Geeky. Trent Frederick? Not a well, sentence. I was going to do Morgan Geeky first, but Morgan Geeky. Oh, okay, go, Mor- go Morgan then. Yeah, go Morgan. I think that Morgan Geeky has a... Different skill set, different approach to play. Some I don't. No, that's Charlie Coyle still, or or Brendan Carlo. But I think that Morgan Geeky is another one of those guys who would be a very weak number two, but realistically is probably a number three. Yeah. And number three centers are very valuable. The Boston Bruins have one of them behind the co- behind the bench as a as an assistant coach right now and Chris Kelly. Yep. Um, you can't tell me that the Bruins would have won the cup without him. I, I won't believe you. No. Um, there was a lot of players on that team that if you told me they would have won the cup without him, I would have been like, nope. <laughs> John Beecher. Excellent. That number is a center. It would be an excellent number four. Arguably, he'll have, he'll have he has the potential to be a league average number three. I think he could be a number three. I think there's more offense there than what he's showing at the moment. Didn't they send him down? I think they did send him down. Um, Lowry. I don't know why. Well, uh, Forbert uh, was back in the lineup last night, and oh, okay, that would explain it. Um, I think Carlo was back in the lineup. La- Carlo was back in the lineup last night. Uh, after missing five. So you have to send down those that are waiver exempt so that you don't lose them because yeah, the minute either Lowry or Beecher goes on waivers, they're uh, gone. Bye bye. <laughs> there will be like five claims for them before bye uh, before every GM has checked the waiver wire. 
And unlike unlike baseball, you can't pull the player back off of waivers. That's one weird thing about baseball. You can if a player goes on waivers and somebody tries to sign them, you can pull them off the waiver wire. Yeah. That's so weird. Let that let that one mull around in your head for a minute. Um But yeah, they would both be gone in a heartbeat. I think Beecher has the opportunity but again, he's a number three. The Bruins are loaded with third line centers. That's uh, their issue at the moment is that they're loaded with third line centers. Coyle, Geeky, Beecher, Frederick Potra. maybe. I think Frederick I think Patra has the I think Patra can be a top six center. I think that I think that Trent Frederick, if he keeps if his jump this uh, if his two years from that two seasons from now if he has progressed as much as he has in the last two seasons, he's probably that league average number two center. Maybe. I think he's more likely to be a league average second line winger or middle or solid middle six winger. I, I think he's better on the wing. Um, he, it's not that he's been bad at center, and I think that. No, and I don't think he's been bad at center either. I think he needs to work on faceoffs if they're going to keep him at center position. That's the thing, but and it's that's one of those things that it's really hard to learn in the middle of a season. Yes, um, I, I I would love to see him spend a good chunk of this off season working on the dot, whether it's with Chris Kelly or another skills coach, or if he can be dragged back to the rink for a couple of days a week. Uh, Patrice Bergeron. Um, I'm gonna say, could you hire Patrice just as like a face-off coach? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, line up. Uh, I can see him. He's got he's got Beecher and Patra and and Frederick, and he's got like this class thing. All right, so everybody, line up. In front of you is a puck. In <laughs> you know, and actually, Freddie, it, it appears his face-off numbers are improving because he's up to 44. He's up over 44 percent. Uh, Okay. Okay. Um, I'd like to see it a little bit higher than that. uh, uh, Obviously, yes. But, I mean, he was in the 30s earlier this year. This is true. Um, So, I'm, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic. I personally don't care where he plays as long as he plays. Um, I think that he's, you know, he's not to date. It's hard to justify taking him where Don Sweeney did. Um, but it's not hard to justify taking him. Who, Frederick at 29? First round, or Beecher at thirty-one uh, at the bottom of the first round. Beecher is harder to justify. Uh, Trent Frederick, I, I think that there are players who would have made a bigger impact by now. Uh, yeah, we've done that many times. I don't want to go and and I mean, have another. Kyru was right there at thirty-five, taken at thirty-five. Alex it was taken at 39. I really didn't want to have a tear in my beer moment, but okay. 
Um, of course, they wasted the 49th pick by giving it away for a guy who was useless. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's a very broad statement. Which useless player are we talking about? Are you know about uh, the, well, the, are we talking about the New York player? Uh, well, the player who came here via New York for Ryan Lindgren. Oh, oh yes, that's what that's what I was talking about. Uh, Mr. Playoff performer himself, there, Rick Nash. And uh, what was his what was his playoff? What was his point points per game in in the playoffs? Like point three. Worse than Sean Corelli. All right, stop. I, I shouldn't Don't worry. Be. The, uh, the other draft pick that came back with that, Massimo Rizzo, uh, is a Carolina Hurricanes seventh-round pick in 2019 who's playing out at Denver and doing really well. Oh, okay. 24 games this season, 41 points. Um, good thing that Boston uh, made the most of that trade. Yeah. So, that's that said, the Bruins are winning. I mean, this whole thing, can they win without any centers? They're leading the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Um, but in order to convince me that they could actually win their last game of the season, yes, I, I need a number one or a number two center. And it's funny the way you started this particular segment saying that the title was clickbait because it's actually what got me to click on it because I was annoyed. I'm sitting there going, they have centers. It's just, they don't have a number. And you know, so yes, Sam Fells who wrote the article, it's a decent article. I mean, I can't really take umbrance with the article. I mean, he talks about Lindholm being and Trevor Zegras being the long-term solution, but he's not really a Bruins type. And, He'd cost the Bruins a bit more than they probably want to pay because they don't have any draft picks. But a decent article. But, yes, the title was just a little on the misleading side. Okay, here's a here's a fun one for you. Mm -hmm. As a solution. Um. Actually, I don't think that one's going to work. Okay. Um, where is it? Uh, okay, just for the giggles. What would it take for you to put Logan Couture in a Boston Bruins uniform if you were the GM? Um, 34 years old, three more seasons at $8 million a year. Has only played one game this season. Uh, future considerations. Future considerations and retaining a good chunk of that salary. Yes. I mean, Logan, uh, he's a playoff. He is a playoff performer, but I just, uh, you know, that 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 slope at the end where you kind of have that drop off and. Am I misreading it, or is he has has he hit the drop off? I mean, he came back in his first game back. He got an assist last night um, against the Ducks. Does it count as a full point if it's against the Ducks? 
Mm. I mean, the Sharks, the Sharks won five to three. I mean, congratulations, they did win. Well, that was a battle of thirty versus thirty-two, or something like that. Yeah. Yes, the a slop fest. Um. <laughs> but the, the 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 key there is that, that you know the Ducks have already started the sell-off. They got rid. I mean, when you get rid of Jamie Drysdale to bring in a guy who's still playing in college, I mean, is it always a good idea to trade one of your top defensemen for a guy who? A you haven't seen who can't stay healthy. Jamie Drysdale has not been healthy since drafted, and that's an issue. Okay. Uh, do I think the trade is fascinating, and it's going to be interesting to see three years from now which of those teams has done better from that trade. Um, but it's it's a it's it's far from decided now. Um, I don't know if Logan Couture has fallen off the cliff yet. Okay. Uh, you know, he actually kept out to start the season. That's yeah. an issue. But last year, 27 goals, 40 assists in 82 games. Um, previous season, 77 games, 56 points. Um... 252, two, two seasons in the 50s in terms of games played. Slightly worrying, but, you know, he came back and he had better cold production the next two seasons. Okay. It, it would need to be a lopsided trade uh, in terms of theoretical on ice talent. Like, we'd need to. I'd have to actually sit down and draw up that trade. Um, and yeah. it's not something I can cocktail napkin sketch uh, while we're talking. I agree. It, 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 there's just he, he, there's a reason he's not on the list. There's yes. Um, and 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 is he a long term? He's definitely more of a short term solution anyway. Granted, he's coming with term on his contract. Yeah, but term at eight million a year. I mean, I would want them to keep at least thirty percent of that. And I yeah. mean, for this season, I would want to send as much as it's not nice. I would want to send Lucic and probably uh, and yeah, probably yeah. Shatton as part of the. Again. He's not going to play again. And Shattenkirk, I have. Shattenkirk has started playing down to the level that I expected from him. His last really? couple of games have been ungood. All right. Mm, very dead cat buyout history. Um, retained salary. Yeah, they don't have. They only have one retained salary spot open because they're still paying for. Oh, the two clowns, Brent Burns and Eric Carlson. So they've only got one retained salary slot. They're going to want to use that. Um, judiciously? Judiciously. Good work. You see, this is excellent. Hey, <laughs> it, it, people tune in for the vocabulary and the hockey smarts. I, I did pull out irascible earlier, so. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know with Logan Couture. Five years ago, seven years ago? Oh, yeah. I mean, seven years ago is uh, it's unfair to talk about. I mean, almost anyone would take True. it at that point, even though he's probably no speedier than uh, David Krejci at peak. Um, Which is to say, not very. Can I have... 22, 23, he did not have... No, he didn't. He must... Yeah. Can I have the 21, 22 version of Anthony Duclair? Sure. Just hop in your time machine of choice and go collect him. Career season for him. 31 goals, 27 assists, 58 points with Florida Panthers. This year with San Jose, and I guess you kind of have to... Hmm... You kind of have to take it with a, a handful or a fistful of salt and, and because it is San Jose. But 41 games, he's only got eight goals and eight assists. Yeah. Um, I still think the best achievable solution for the Bruins is Elias Lindholm. It's okay, you can uh, say. Even more achievable. Oh, goodness. And it's medium-term solution because he's slightly older than Lindholm. I can't even have JT Miller. Nope. Everybody laughed at me when I said J.T. Miller. Oh, look at the season he had I last year. Mm-hmm. Much. See? On all air. Right. So, all right. Yeah. All right. So, who is the who is this solution? Come on. I want to hear it. I, we talked about this two weeks ago. Or maybe it was three weeks ago. Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, we did talk about Ryan O'Reilly. And I, I still like Ryan. I, I like Ryan O'Reilly. I've liked him for a long time. Actually, there's only a couple of years. There, uh, let's see. Lindholm is 29 years old. He'll be, or he just turned 29. Um, Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly is where now? He's in. He's in Nash- Nashville. Nashville. Uh, he'll turn 33 on February 7th. Nashville's in a playoff spot. They're not. They're not trading players. They know they're getting waxed in the first round. <laughs> it's still not going to do it. <laughs> Depends on what the return is. He's got he's got three more years after this one. At four and a half, I mean affordable, yes. <laughs> but he wears an A for them. He's yeah no. I'd love to think that they would move him, but yeah no. What if they could get younger <laughs> and, and not as good at center? Hold on, we'll trade you, um, Pavel Zaka. Yeah, okay. Pavel <laughs> Zaka and I will and then, and then when Barry Trot says yeah I want a first and a second you go well we don't have any because we gave them all the Rangers for Rick Nash <laughs> I will trade uh, <laughs> Barry Trotz is not an idiot John <laughs> Farinacci uh, for that trade and Barry Trotz right now is not only laughing at the phone, but he's asking you who the hell John Farinacci is, okay? John Farinacci is leading the uh, Providence Bru- or was leading the Providence Bruins in scoring. Okay. And my team is in the playoffs currently. My team is currently in a playoff spot. What's he done in the what's he done at the top level? What is any team under Barry Trotz done as General manager. 
and while Barry Trotz sits there listening to crickets, nothing. Is Barry Trotz, when he first took over the team, said that they were going to that it was going to be a rebuild. This is his first year as GM, and they're yes. in the playoffs. He's up on the rebuild. <laughs> no, no, no. They, they, he they said stock. those words. He said those words. So clearly the team is outperforming what he was expecting. That's a bonus to him. Not in terms of draft position. No, but in terms of maybe they've got something worth looking at and they're not going to turn around. I, I just don't see it. I, You may be right, but I just don't see it. I mean, if they're in it. If in the next four weeks, I'll give you I'll give you a month because the trade deadline is what first week of March, so that's like six yeah. weeks, seven weeks, whatever. I'll give you the next four weeks. I'll give you till third week of February. If for some reason they crash and burn, and they're not in a playoff position by the middle of February, then maybe yeah they'll move him. The trouble is the term. He's going to want more because it's term and because it's affordable term. But exactly. if they're out of term and but throwing if, in that prospect. I still don't think that gets it done, though. He's going to want, like you said, draft picks. And the Bruins do not have one thing, draft picks. And if they do have draft picks and they keep giving them away. Well, that's a that's a Sweeney needs to have his hand slapped issue. And. Okay. Yeah, yeah How they about have nothing. and Michael DiPietro? Bruins have goaltending. They do, but DiPietro is not going to do it. They're going to have to either give him Kaiser or Busey. And I don't yeah. want them giving up Busey if they're going to move Swayman. I mean, if they're going to move Omar, which I'm pretty sure that that's going to happen at some point now or at the end of the season. They need Busey. They need to hang on to him. And I don't know that DiPietro moves the needle enough. It's a, it's either going to be Kaiser or Busey. Well, it's not going to be Kaiser. He's not doing well this year. Okay. Um, and honestly, DiPietro has the best numbers of the three right now. He's also in the lowest. He's also in the lowest tier right now. So I get where you're coming from, but he has the best Providence numbers right now. He's got a 916 in Providence, or what was it? All right, Kaiser's got an 852. Oh Busey's wow! Got a he's got 17 games in Providence. I didn't think he was up here that long. And I thought he was in Maine. Whoops. Yeah, my bad. Pietro 916. Well, Kaiser it appears is injured. Oh, okay. My bad. I didn't realize he was in Providence. He's got no numbers in Maine. I thought he was in Maine because I thought it was Busey and Kaiser in Providence. That was the plan, but uh, no oh, obviously. Plan, no plan survives first. Uh, no uh, no player deployment plan survives first contact with the injury engine or something Absolutely. like that. Something to that effect, yes. I agree. Yeah. Well, 916 save percentage. Yeah, that – Sell him on that. Busey's actually underperforming with a 9.03 save percentage. So maybe you're. All right. I, I just. I think while they're in a playoff spot, it's. It, it's all just speculation. I think if they should fall out of it, then yeah, we're talking. But. 
Fair enough. I mean, for goaltending right now, they have Saros, who's 28, and Kevin Lankinen, who is not a solution. Lankinen was so good in Chicago. <laughs> Briefly. And Briefly, by so yes. good, you mean a 909 save percentage his first year and an 891 his second year? Who, Lankinen? Yeah. He, he had was, a 916 last year in 19 okay. games, and he has an 898 in 13 games this year. He's a short term, so he's a he's a, he's just a spot holder right now. He's for a true bench warmer. Yeah, he's a he's a spot holder anyway. Then they who they Askar Askarov is Yaroslav Askarov or Askarov, or however you want to pronounce it. I've heard both. Oh, but they also have Troy Grosnick, which is super important. Troy Grosnick, who's got, what, two career starts or four career starts or something like that? He's three career starts, and last this season, he's got a 943 in his two starts. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's Yaroslav uh, Askarov, who's this. Askarov who's has got. Two starts, 943 save percentage this season. Yes, but then when he goes back down to the AHL where he's the number one, he's got 21 starts, or 2.16 in the 922. Askarov is taking not only Lankinen's spot next year, but probably Saro's spot in the three three to five years. <laughs> you know, I don't know what people have against Grosnick because his NHL numbers are actually solid. What his four starts? Four starts. The two the two starts in San Jose, nine forty eight save percentage. The two starts in Los Angeles, nine twenty two save percentage. Uh huh. I think the issue isn't so much the numbers. I think it's the fact that he's only got four career starts. But if they're that good, why is no one giving him any additional opportunities? He's never been given an opportunity. I never understood it, but again, that's that's my question: is why is he not getting more opportunities? He was with Boston um, at one point, I thought. I mean, his AHL numbers are not completely without merit. I mean, you look at his sixteen seventeen season, forty nine starts, nine twenty six save percentage, um, eighteen nineteen season for the Milwaukee Admirals. 46 starts, 919 save percentage, 33 no, I, starts the next season, 920 mm-hmm. save percentage. You're going to get there eventually. Come on. Providence Bruins. There we go. Save percentage um, in 30 games. I'm confused. And you think you got the uh, Baz Bastion for um, AHL goaltender of the year. Two, pl- two playoff games with the Providence Bruins. One six eight goals against and a nine thirty nine save percentage. I mean, it's only two games, but seriously, is this because he's not a big goaltender? Like he's, I know he's never been given the opportunity. Is he? Is are his? Is he one of those guys who they talk about as having bad habits and they were afraid he's just either going to space out or you know they're going to be hearing from the police about him or something like that. I don't know. This doesn't make sense to me. means he was never drafted. But you look at it, even you go back to college. His set, his, he, he only played three games his first year, but the next two years, 
34 games apiece, 936 save percentage, 926 save percentage for Union College. Mm-hmm. I don't understand this. I'm gonna have to track. I'm gonna have to run down uh, one of our uh, one of one of the people who follows college hockey a little more and find out what the story is here. There's there's a story. He's never been given. I mean, he's six one and one o and one eighty one is what he's listed at. Is this but, overly but, biased again? No, no, it's not size bias because you say Saros is like five eight. You say Saros is a tiny goaltender, kind of like Yaroslav uh, Halak. You say Saros is a tiny goaltender, and as I've always said, you know, I think there should be. I think there's a limit on how big a goaltender should be. Oh, I think that like the six. I think that six five is probably the max ceiling on goaltenders. Um, two other quick stories, and yes, we are running way over, folks. Um, last night, uh, Brad Marchand uh, dropped another note into the symphony that is his uh, Hall of Fame career. Um, 11th consecutive 20-plus goal season. Um, he's only the four. He's one of four active players uh, who has done this. And he is number one all time for this accomplishment for the Boston Bruins, who are a century old. Um, the other three guys to do this, two of whom are sure thing Hall of Famers, Alex Ovechkin and Patrick Kane. Um, Ovi's done it 18 times, and he's going to struggle to get there this year. Patrick Kane has done it 13 times, and... I would have to look at his numbers um, because he didn't start the season on time. This year? Yeah. He's still going to get there. He's at like eight or nine goals or something like that. Uh, He's at seven goals, uh, 19 games played this season. We're halfway through the year. 13 more goals and what, 30 games? Certainly doable. Oh, yeah. 34 games. Um, Certainly doable for him. Um, But it's not done yet. Um, look, I've been on the marsh and, uh, uh, I've been driving the fan bag, the fan wagon for a while. Okay. Okay. I was sure three years ago that he was going to be in the rafters for the Boston. Well, rafters line being what it was. This is. We're now into the territory where if he doesn't get into the Hall of Fame, it's because people don't like him. Period. Can't unring that bell. You got it right. He's not. The reason they won't get in is because he's he's Brad. Um, and quite frankly, there have been many worse people who have made it into the Hall of Fame, and we all know it. Um, so him not getting in because people don't like him. That's going to say more about them than him. Oh, 20, um, so he's already got twenty goals this year. I mean, I yes. knew he was going to play. I knew he was going to play his butt off. You know, they put the C on his chest, and he took it personally. Uh, As I said earlier in the show, he put on the cape. Like he's played a two hundred foot game, like he always has. 
um, and played every night. There's literally not a game that I've seen where you could accuse him of taking a night off or even a period off. Um, yeah. Someone who has taken time off, Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, we He stepped away from the game for reasons he shrouded in mystery at the time uh, several weeks back. And he has joined the back, uh, the Capitals on their four-game road trip. Um, is this part of the reason that we've seen the um, decomposition of the Washington Capitals slow and possibly reverse itself in the past few weeks? Rumors of his uh, return? Conversations of his with other players. Um, in their last ten, they're five five and zero, oh, which is better than we've come to expect of them. Uh, okay. If he actually gets back on the ice, whether he's playing as number three center, number two center, number if he's their number one center, well, we know that they're doing poorly this season, anyways, but. I think Dylan Strom is still holding that spot. Um, uh, I would have to say this can only help, particularly if part of Ovechkin's uh, non-production is simply not the emotional connection with Backstrom on the bench and during travel. Um, this team needs goal scoring. It needs it needs puck distribution. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, John Carlson is still leading the team in terms of uh, assists. The top two centers on the team, neither one of them have anywhere near as many assists as him. He's almost double Dylan Strome. And the number two center for assists on the team. Um, if you can actually name this gentleman off the top of your head, you're doing better than I am. Um, but Alexei uh, Protas. Heard of him. Supposed to, be, supposed to be pretty good. Don't know a lot about him. 6'6", 225, 23-year-old. Um, surprisingly, uh, Belarusian, um, uh, I, he's already having a career year, which is both good and bad because his pre last season was his previous best with 15 points and 58 games. He's up to 18 and 43 this year, but <clears throat> the, the need for everything with this Washington team. Um, if they were slightly worse, Mike Milbury's old appellation for them would be uh, perfectly appropriate. Okay. Um, so hopefully we'll get to see Backstrom again. Maybe he'll return. If I think I were, Ovechkin's hoping to see Backstrom again. Whether I, Dylan Strom's holding that position or not, I think the minute Backstrom steps on the ice and is ready to go, He's going back in, in in the middle with Ovechkin on his left. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
last night, um, also, or just the other night, uh, Dan Mellis, Boston Bruins prospect playing at UMass, uh, chipped in a critical assist in their win over Northeastern. Uh, we did get to see him during, uh, let's see, he's up to, what is it, uh, six points, four points on the season? Not a lot, but... Okay. No, but he's only played six games, because uh, I believe he was out for the World Juniors, plus the general college schedule being uh, pretty light. Uh, yeah, he played this year's World Juniors, where he went in five games. He had two goals, three assists. Okay. Um, for UMass Amherst, showing it 15 games on the season. He's got five goals, two assists, uh, seven points, um, plus five. Um, pretty solid way to break into Hockey East. Um particularly when you have that break in the middle for World Juniors. Uh, there's a... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he finishes the season. Um, he's played uh, seven less games than the three guys who are tied for points. Well, than the guy who's directly ahead of him for points, Cole O'Hara, on the team. Okay. Uh, but... I'm more interested in seeing him like physically develop. He was a skinny stick. Uh, and I think that he's probably going to play at least one more season because he's still listed at five ten and one fifty four. A little small. Oh, you that's uh, on hockey DB. Um, UMass Amherst has him listed at six feet and one seventy two. Um, not going to hold my breath on those stats being entirely accurate. Uh, I tend not to believe height stats ever for anyone hmm. with 6'2". Makes me wonder if this one's as good as the brother. Hmm. Oh, you mean Mr. McCarr? UMass has another McCarr on the horizon here. Uh, Taylor McCarr. Big six three one ninety. He's a junior. Yeah, I'm just you know. He's a forward. Oh, is he a forward? Okay. And he's got no points on the season. No, I'm sorry. He's got four goals and three assists. I'm sorry. No points against Merrimack. My apologies. So he's seven points, just like Lock Malice. Okay. I mean, does does Colorado throw a seventh round pick his way or something? Is he is he been drafted yet? <laughs> I mean, he's a junior he by now. He's not in fact been drafted yet. Uh, he's a junior, so he's got to be an overager, like nineteen or twenty or something like that, isn't he? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to distract. I've done it twice now. This is terrible. Stop. Mm-hmm. Um, you've done it probably four times, but details, details. You've done it way more than that. So, anyway, Dan's Lock Malice. Yes, it would be nice to see how he turns out this season, and and he probably needs another year at Northeastern before he's ready to be stepping 
into professional situations? Um, the the poll was uh, very conclusive, with 100% of people voting uh, that Joey Accord would get a another shutout between when we put the poll up and the All-Star Weekend. I have not checked his stats yet. Um, we will need. We will have a new uh, will hear, won't he? For uh, how, how for decisive the, was the how decisive was the poll? One hundred percent votes for uh, yes. Oh, okay, fair enough. Man's having a season. Is indeed. Uh, we will check back in on that in just a couple of days, um, or between now and the. Uh, and the all-star festivities. Um, it does not look like he, he has not had a shutout uh, since we put the poll up. Okay. But we, will, uh, we will take a look at that later. Um, final question. Final question. Sure. Back to Brad real quick. I'm looking at his numbers this season. 45, goal, 45 games, 43 points. Uh, he's a plus four. And... He only has one shorthanded point this season, which is a shorthanded goal. Playing 19 and a half minutes a night, 16.3 shooting percentage. Uh, faceoff percentage is actually the highest it's been since the 1920 season at 42 and a half, even though he's not a center. So I'm sure he's not taking a lot of. Oh yeah, not taking a lot of them. It's only like 40 faceoffs that he's taken. Um, does he get any consideration? Does he get any consideration for Selkie? No. His, I was gonna say twenty votes. His best, his best year was, or best years were the nineteen twenty and twenty twenty one seasons when he was ninth in Selkie voting. He will not finish any higher than fifth. And that's a crime, maybe. It's I mean, Erickson Act is probably gonna win it, but. It's certainly offensive. I won't necessarily call it a crime, um, it's but it's definitely the way that the voters think. This is a man who, in the twenty twenty one, the twenty 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 one season, was actually fifth in heart voting. Yeah. Just to throw a nice little bow tie. Honestly, I will be more offended if he doesn't finish in the top ten for heart than if he doesn't finish in the top ten for Selkie. Even though okay. I think he deserves. To be I mean, I just possible. thought that all the, all these years playing next to, you know, number 37, that that's what hurt him most in the Selkie voting was the fact that, well, you're playing against the guy who wins it every year. So, well, you're playing. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's there's certainly a lot of that. They, you become it, it, it's like when Datsuk and Zetterberg played together. Zetterberg got hosed because he was playing next to next to the Magic Man. And but the Magic Man deserved it. I mean, it's not like he got the Selkie because he was good looking or anything. I mean, he he deserved it when he won it. Bergeron deserved it even when he didn't win it. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to tie a boat on that. I just wanted to get a final on that, and I didn't get you. Want to think that our uh, our uh, will he or won't he? Sounds like a good enough question for it. Sure. Will uh, Brad Marshan finish in the top five uh, for the Selkie? I like that question. Yep. And that, uh, hockey fans, is where we leave you. 
don't forget, you've got the men's and women's bean pots, uh, the um, PWHL available on YouTube. Um, and Nesson. And, and Nesson. Um, NHL is everywhere. If you can't find hockey to watch, you possibly need to find a screen and maybe <laughs> leave your bathroom. Definitely the screen. You can watch from your bathroom if you really want to. Take care.